everybody. Welcome back. I'm Katie. And I'm Kate. And this is Premeditated. Thanks for joining. Sorry, last week we didn't make an episode. It was a someone got sick. I and her got name s- rhymes with Schmate. <laughs> Late. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which she always is. Which I so always it really am. makes sense. <laughs> No, yes. we got we to figure out a when we we got to figure out a plan for when we got to have some backup yeah, episodes. We got to have some backup something. episodes. We got to get on it. It's just life is busy and crazy. But sorry, back. So sorry. we're back. We're, we're back. back, and we're ready for part. Two. Ooh, I'm ready for part two. I'm ready like, to rumble. Yeah, I've been thinking about this episode constantly because one of my favorite podcasts. Oh, morbid. Yeah, yeah. Is, is doing a series on Jack the Ripper, so it has a lot of commonalities. And obviously, yes. we talked a little bit about how um, how they could have possibly they been the same person, the same person. Doubtful. Yeah, but, but still. Um. Right. So let's just dive into yeah. it. Yeah. Um. Also, well, I would like to say though that I am disappointed in Skip because I hashtagged him, and I thought for sure that it was going to be like Mankowitz, and he and Skip doesn't give a shit. No, Skip don't give a shit. Skip don't have to give a shit. What's Skip's last name again? Hollinsworth doesn't give a shit about us. Doesn't give a shit. Maybe no. maybe after this episode. I don't know. He's like helped produce a movie or direct he's a movie a or whatever. Guy. So he's he's pretty big time. Not to say that Hankies Hankies <laughs> yeah, is exactly. big time. If you want to talk about big time, yeah. Josh Makowitz. Josh Makowitz. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> God, I love that dude. Oh. Every time I watch him now on an episode of Daylight, like, I'm like, uh, hey, uh, you know best, who I am? That's my best friend. Yeah, that's my best friend. <laughs> Uh, yeah, let's dive in. I All right. To hear about Serving Girl two. Annihilator. All right. So just a refresher yes. uh, because it's been two weeks. Yep. So Molly Smith, 25 years old, was murdered the night of December 31st, 1884. She was the first one that went in. She was the first one. The Tom whatever's house and it was like. Oh, her, Walt, her boyfriend. Her boyfriend. Walt, yeah. Yeah. And her boyfriend, Walter Spencer, was seriously wounded. Yep. And then Walter Spencer stumbled into Tom Chalmers' bedroom and was like, I'm wounded. And he was, and like, he was like, I'm tired. I'm tired. Go, Go find the doctor. The doctor. <laughs> so that was that was on uh, New Year's Eve, 1884. And then we jumped ahead to Eliza Shelley, and she was murdered on the night of May 6, 1885. Right. And then we went, I believe... We left off at Cross. Irene Cross. Irene Cross. And Irene was murdered by a man with a knife on the night of May 22nd, 1885. Like literally 16 days. Sure. So he's- And she was the one that like her face was, she was almost scalped, right? Oh, yeah. 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 So it was kind of like a strange differentiator from like an axe murder versus yes. like a... Yes, Slicer. because Eliza was an axe, Molly was an axe, Irene was a knife. Yeah. But I uh, failed to mention that uh, right after Molly Smith, uh, well, not right after, but in March, there was actually an incident where two Swedish servant girls were seriously wounded on the 19th of March, 1885. So I'll lead with that. Okay. So directly after Molly Smith um, are the two Swedish servant girls. The reason that they're often left out is because, like, the victimology is a little off, right? Because there are two Swedish servant girls and the the others were African-Americans. So. Okay. But the truth of the matter is, is, like, the way that they were attacked was very similar. So, March 19th, there was a tapping on the window of the servants' quarter located uh, just behind the residence of... Colonel J.H. Pope, who was a cotton planter who owned a large farm outside of Austin. And that's another thing that kind of excludes. It wasn't like in the city. You're right. Uh, Pope's two servant girls, Swedish immigrant teenagers named Christine and Clara, they laid in their beds and they were like, there's a tapping on the window. So they just Ugh. like froze in fear. I can't yeah. imagine. The tapping stopped and then and then there was a sudden sound of a pistol shot. The bullet passed through the window and lodged in a wall screaming the girls raced outside and headed toward the main house so one of the girls clara she was grabbed from behind oh god 
Can you imagine? No. But she wasn't able to turn around to see who it was. She kept screaming, which brought Colonel Pope and others outside with their guns. But And they couldn't find the man. So he had let Clara go and disappeared almost immediately. The Swedish teenagers returned to their room and they locked and barricaded the door. But within minutes, another shot was fired through a window into their headquarters. The bullet hit Christine between her shoulder blade and spinal column, (gasps) knocking her to the ground, but it did not hit any of the vital organs. So that's another reason... A gun versus an axe or any sort right, of like right. hand tool. Where they're kind of left out of it sometimes. But yeah. you have to think, Austin was pretty small at the time. And yeah. how many psycho killers do you have out there? Well, I don't know. But like yeah. people with guns versus people with knives versus people with, with axes. axes. It just, to it's, me, it seems too different. But it kind of makes, it kind of begs the question also though. Like he grabs weapons of opportunity. That's true. So did he find a gun? Sure. But- Again, I don't know. Skip Hollinsworth, he included the servant girls in his book. And then Tim Huddleston did not include the servant Interesting. girls. So it, it's just so really, those, it's a matter of opinion. That's um, similar to Jack the Ripper. Like some people think there are five. Some people think there are, you know, six. Some people think there are more or less. Right, or, right. Yeah, because it the time frame, you just don't know. Right, right. So yeah, so that was right after. And like, these girls were fine. Other than the they're shot fine. in the back. Yeah, other than you know, other than a shot in the back, they're fine. (laughs) God, don't be such a wuss. Walk it off. Walk it off. Um, God, Katie. Other than a shot in the back, they were fine. They're totally fine. So that was in March of 1885. Molly Smith was right was before that, not right before that, in December of 1884. Right, and then after the servant girls was Eliza, which was May 6th, and then there was Irene Cross, which was May 22nd. Right. Now we're getting to the next victim okay. after Irene. Rebecca Remy worked at a livery for the colorfully named Mr. Valentine Weed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't like some good Valentine Weed? <laughs> Everyone loves a good Valentine Weed. Oh my God. What kind of a name is that? Like, is it one word? Is it two? Is it like no. hyphenated? No. It's just Valentine Weed. His one word. <laughs> name his first name's valentine and his last his last name's weed (laughs) i like to think that he's kind of a doc holiday val kilmer doc holiday kind of a character like he's like like, shimmies around and and says i can be your valentine yeah valentine weed okay yeah yeah roughly she lived roughly a block from dr johnson's house which is where eliza shelley was murdered um Mr. Weed didn't have a separate servant's cabin on his property, so Rebecca slept in the kitchen of his home with her 11-year-old daughter, Mary. Hmm. Yeah. Like, I, that there's was pretty the tough. stove, there's the bed. <laughs> Gross. Yeah. Well, I guess, it, like, of all places, it's better than, like, having to sleep in the bathroom or, like, the outhouse. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's better than getting... It's warm, sh- like, you are next to the oven. Yeah. So it's, like, warm. The stove, yeah. On the night of August uh, 30th, Rebecca and Mary went to bed around 9 o'clock, like they always did. Uh, Rebecca had trouble falling asleep that night. Um, and she lay awake in the darkness for a while. She heard the clock strike 10 and then 11 and drifted off sometime before midnight. She awoke later in terrible pain and found herself being tended to by physicians. While she had slept between four and five in the morning, someone had entered the kitchen and hit Rebecca in the head so hard that her skull had fractured. And her 11-year-old daughter is right there. She had been lucky to have survived and was expected to make a full recovery, but that was the only good news of the night. The perpetrator had committed his most vile crime yet, and Rebecca's daughter, Mary, had been the evening's true victim. No. Yeah. After Rebecca had been beaten unconscious, the 11-year-old girl, trigger warning, was dragged into an adjoining wash house where she was raped, then stabbed through both ears with a metal rod. Remember, though, Molly Smith, there was a metal rod. Rods. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That, I don't know, something about, like, being stabbed in the ear makes me, gives me the heebie-jeebies. Yeah. Like, it reminds me of that scene from, I think it's Scream 2. Yes. Where the guy's in the bathroom and he puts his ear up to the wall and gets stabbed. Oh, God, it makes me so sick every time I watch it. That, oh, my God. Almost Trump's fingernails. Almost. Oh, it's. 
Yeah. That poor, poor girl. So, and that's the worst part. She didn't die instantly. She suffered for hours before succumbing to her injuries while her mom's laying unconscious. Right. Um, response to the latest and most horrible attack was, it was pretty quick. The, the tracker that the law enforcement hired arrived with his bloodhounds before the police even made it to the scene and a furious hunt ensued. So old George. Yeah. Good old George. Good old George. Uh, a man named Tom Allen was discovered hiding out in one of Mr. Weed's stables and was arrested immediately. Like, well, yeah. Like, why is he hiding? Yeah. Um, although he could have just been sleeping for the right. night. It, like, true. It, sticking with the pattern, however, Mr. Allen was, because remember, they, they tried to convict several people up to this point. He was found innocent and released the next day. So no other suspect was found. So Marshall Lee responded to the public outrage in his usual fashion, but his excuses were wearing thin. Thing, it's not his fault. And people are like, okay, that worked. That was They're demanding action. Like, they're like, come on, dude. Like, this, this makes what? Like, well, there's the attack on the two Swedish girls, Molly Smith. Eliza, Irene, now we've got two Rebecca and Mary. So Rebecca was attacked and, and her little girl was murdered. So yeah. Did they find any clues? Like no. any bare feet print? No. Oh, any any, bare any wide any bare feet prints. Footprints. I are they feet prints or footprints? They're footprints. What? How do you not know that? Footprints. A footprint. It's like a footprint, but like footprints. footprints. That is weird that it's just, it's not like feet prints. It's not weird. Yeah, it is. Because like (laughs) a single foot, plural prints, it just seems strange. Footprints in the sand. Yeah. But it seems like it should be feet prints. Feet prints? Okay, we can move on. (laughs) Like, that'd be like saying, what's another, what's another, I can't even think of it. Like deer? No. Yeah, deer tracks, but deer is also plural. Deer track, deer tracks. Um, Bear yeah. prints. Paw prints. It's not like paws prints. Paws print. <sighs> Damn it, now you got my, now my head's all mixed up. It's. <laughs> I feel like Ted Lasso, he's like, did it happen to you again? When he was like, like wow, a word sounds weird to him. Oh, <laughs> it's like. It, I do. Do yes, you have that? I do. When you're like looking at a sentence and like all of a sudden, for me, like this happens not frequently, but maybe every six months where I'll be like typing something and I'll like look at a word, like a yeah. common word. Yeah. Like the, and yeah. I'll be like, the, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. And I'll sit there for like 30 seconds and, and then I snap out of it. I'm like, yes, yes, that's right. I had a really hard time the other day. I don't know why. Again, I have a degree in English and I'm a published writer. And I, for some reason was like suspicious, 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 suspicious i don't like i could not for the your life of me like, yeah your head around it yeah it's so weird how your brain is like that like even one might say it's suspicious it's sus- don't be suspicious <laughs> don't be suspicious <laughs> <laughs> so then we go back to yeah. the dark stuff uh-huh. so <laughs> anyway murder. mary died yeah. um so of course the people were outraged. Uh, they didn't want to hear any more of the marshal's excuses. Like an 11 year old child was raped and murdered. They right. were like, "When are you gonna fucking catch this guy? Get your life together, Marshal Lee. Yeah, get your life to get your house in order." Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> so uh, they were. You could say one might say they were losing patience. Yeah. Like, and this was kind of the breaking point. So, and I'm sorry, remind me, what was it? When was this again? August 30th. Yep. So supposedly he has gone from May 22nd to August 30th without not doing anything. Sure. So maybe he was incarcerated. Maybe he had to go somewhere else for a job. I don't know. So still haven't found anyone in September. And then on September 26th, Lucinda Body and Patsy Gibson were visiting their friend, Gracie Vance in North Austin. Gracie worked for a guy named Major W.D. Dunham and lived in a cabin behind the house with her common-law husband, Orange Washington. What a name. I... Orange Washington. Orange Washington. Just... just, I'm orange. I'm orange. Hey. I've literally never heard that name before in my life. I wonder if servants just weren't allowed to marry... Oh, interesting. Well, I'm sure it's it's expensive. Like, yeah, married, you'd have to get a marriage license. So it's 
costs money. Yeah. So anyway, common law husband, again, um, if I'd known that that was uh, a thing, I wouldn't have actually committed. <laughs> yeah, to, you could be a common law. You I could be a common law you wife. You still be. No. To, I'm to just say. kidding. Yeah. <laughs> that piece of paper has saved me in so many fights. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll be like, if you leave, I get half your stuff. So yeah. <laughs> just keep that in mind. Yeah. <laughs> that's probably the only yeah. thing is like oh god it put so much work into that aquarium yeah, yeah. <laughs> aquarium if you, you leave i get the aquarium yeah, yeah. <laughs> no no no, no. <laughs> i get every fucking thing <laughs> yeah so here's gracie's gracie's living with orange foolishly they foolishly believe their numbers would keep them safe from all the criminals roaming the street yeah they left the window open while they slept as, as you do which i love my favorite podcasters say fresh air is for dead people fresh air close is for those dead fucking people. windows close the close your fucking close windows. your window see i would die for fresh air i know like, but like only if i'm on the second or third floor and I'm it, not doing only it on if it. I have grilled shrimp and garlic that night, yeah. <laughs> because I did the other night and you know how all of our windows have to be closed right now yeah. for the air conditioning. And I was like, oh, fucking hell, yeah. smells like food. <laughs> so it's like shrimp. God <laughs> damn it. I grew up with this girl. She was like, like all of us, we, uh, we were all on some form of a farm and uh, her parents like fed her a real breakfast every morning. Like a real full on like bacon, bacon eggs. eggs, like a farm breakfast. What? I love staying at their house. I mean, I love bre- You know, breakfast is my favorite meal. Oh so like, yeah, I would love that. Yeah, if I can find someone who will just make me that every single morning. Yeah, that's all I need. Yeah, so that's well. That's when Keith went back to work and went to this, started this new job, I was totally bummed out because I, I got like, I he makes the like I told you the best poached eggs ever. I get poached eggs and pancakes every Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I need in life. I know. That's all you need. That's really all you need. But yeah. So this, so if you went to their house though, like you'd smell like bacon. Yeah. Which that's rough. Which I don't like. I I love breakfast. I don't like smelling like stuff. Yeah. Like I really hate going in an elevator on a cold day with a person that's like, it's either cigarette smoke or bacon smell or like, and you, and you just feel like their house isn't clean. My like, least favorite smells for as far as restaurant goes, Subway and Chipotle. I fucking hate them. Like, oh, Subway smells like bleach a, and tuna. Oh, like, like don't sit in a Subway and eat a sandwich and then come hang out with me. No. I will never forgive you for that. I and same with Chipotle. You oh. will smell like bad body odor. Like those oh, are yeah. two disgusting smells. Get it to go. Get it, get to, it to go. Get it together. Get yeah. it to go. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I worked at The Onion. I was a bartender and a server at The Onion in college, which was this like sports restaurant or whatever. And their big thing was like an onion ring tower. And yeah, I reaped when I would go home. And and yet I attracted a large amount of very like slightly, <laughs> slightly chubby guys that like. Well, they like. The onion mm. ring tower. Like, I mean, I went what? to a party once straight from work and like the whole soccer team was hitting on me and that <laughs> never happened. And I was like, what is going on? It must be like my new haircut or like I actually put on mascara and no, it's because I smelled like fucking onion rings. <laughs> it's like an animal in the heat. Yeah. <laughs> Farrah onions. Yeah. How did we get here? How did we get here? I don't know. Oh, so um, September 26th. So you've got Gracie, who lives with her common law husband, Orange Washington. And then Gracie's friends, Lucinda and Patsy, were visiting. Okay. So there's four of them in this little cabin behind the main house. So they left their window open, like I said, because they felt like they were safe because there's four of them. Sometime after midnight, Lucinda woke with the worst headache she'd ever had. Honey. She fumbled around in the darkness until she found a kerosene lamp. And when she lit it, she saw Orange and Patsy. So her friend Patsy that she traveled with to see Grace still lying where they had gone to sleep, but they had horrible wounds. I belched. (laughs) (laughs) Did I tell you the other night, Keith, Keith goes, 
was in the living room, I had said nothing. And Keith goes from the kitchen, did you just belch the word tater? <laughs> and I was like, I almost peed my pants. I thought it was so funny. And I was like, no, but now I wish I had. Because that's fucking hilarious. Tater. Like, that's what he thought he heard. I go in the kitchen and I open the trash and go, Turner. <laughs> it sounds like something Sling Blade I need, would I say. I need to know what he heard. I think, like, I think Walter belched or something, but I was like, Turner. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? You just belched the word Tater. Of anyone, it would be me. It yeah, would be me. And I sure. wish it had been. Yeah. <laughs> I can take credit for that. Anyway, so... Uh, <laughs> Getting back to the story. So, um, <laughs> oh my god! Like, I just need—I want to know like, what he heard. <laughs> oh my god, that was hilarious. Okay, tighter, tighter, So, Orange and Patsy had horrible wounds to their head, and Lucinda looked around, and her friend Gracie was nowhere to be found. Oh, no. So she heard some noises outside and she took the lamp to the window to investigate. Don't look at me. A man shouted, covering his face with his arm as he rushed towards her, rushed towards her and said, don't look at me. Like that is so counter. fucking look at you it's and so- <laughs> get away from me. You freak. Talk about counterintuitive. Yeah. Like, don't look at me. I'm running at you. Don't look at me. <laughs> Don't look at me. We're so out of control today. What the hell? Okay, Okay. don't look at me. Lucinda scores and throws the lamp Uh, at him. Absolutely. And he batted it away and he leaned through the window and he tried to grab Lucinda. So this guy's like, he's got a pair of cojones. Like, don't look at me, runs towards her, shows a kerosene lamp at him. And he keeps going and tries through the window to get her. So oh my God, he was that leaving, is a nightmare. Well, he was determined to not leave any eyewitnesses right. behind. She jumped back out of his reach and the man started to climb and turned and ran through the door on the other side of the room, screaming as loud as she could. And she sprinted towards Major Dunham's house. So awakened by the screams, the Major hurried out his back door armed with his rifle because he's a military guy. He saw Lucinda and a shadowy figure struggling at the gate between his house and the servant's cabin. So he raised his rifle, but he didn't want to shoot right, because he could hit Lucinda. Right, they were struggling. Right. When the man spotted the Major, he released the woman and he turned and he ran off towards the stables. So the major lined up to take a shot at Lucinda in her panic, like she got in his way. And she said, she screamed, we're all dead. And she was bursting into tears and she collapsed into the major's arms as the intruder just disappeared into the darkness. So, I mean, well, you really have to make a decision at that right. point. Like, am I going to help the victims or am I going to go after this guy? So, yeah. because it was just him, it was just the major. Yeah. By himself. So a team of armed men spent the rest of the night searching the major's property, but the perpetrator seemed to have vanished. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. He got away with it again. He got to go. He got away with it again. Did they at least get a good like description? No. Nothing? Nothing. Like, I mean, Lucinda, if you imagine, like, it probably happened in a matter of seconds. She's leaning out a window with this lamp. She can't, you know, think about like how far that light stretches, not very far. And then he's screaming, don't look at me, covering his face. And she throws it at him. And then she tries to, he tries to grab her. And then, you know, it's, it's, it's just, there, there was no, I'm sure there was no time. They did find the body of his latest victim, which was Gracie. It seemed that while Gracie, Lucinda, Patsy and Orange had been sleeping, one or possibly two men climbed in through the open window and beat all four occupants of the cabin unconscious. So that's the other thing. How does one dude get at least three people? How does that happen? I know you think about that. Cause like he would have to know what he was doing to knock them unconscious because like one person makes a noise. Right. And 
you're done for. Mm-hmm. Like they're all sleeping right next to each other. So you have to knock them unconscious. Yeah. Like, you know, that cabin was one, like it was probably one room. Exactly. Two rooms. They were all probably sleeping right next to each other. Right next to each other. So he would have to know, like if it was just one person, it would have to be knock them out immediately. I mean, but it's hard to believe that that's, it's hard case. to believe that it's just one person though, that did it. So that's where I struggle to, to understand how that could have just been one person. But again, you know, maybe they had consumed alcohol. Maybe they were exhausted. Sure. Maybe all of the above. Like maybe they were deep sleepers. Like maybe he was in his bare wide feet. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> That's a certainty there. Yes. So Gracie was then thrown through the window, tossed over a fence and dragged through the weeds behind the stables. Um, And this was after they were all attacked there. She must have regained consciousness because there was evidence of a struggle, but uh, she obviously lost that struggle. She was raped and beaten with a brick until her head had been reduced to jelly is what they said. Oh my God. This is so strange. Like the only thing that's in like, it's not, it's weapons of opportunity. Yeah. Cause and I mean, we've got knives, we've got axes, we've got bricks, we've got rods, we've got, you know, what was it? Guns. It yeah. Just, but the victimology oh, is all right. the same. Yeah. Like they might not have all been the same nationality, but just, you just hear, you don't hear of killers going from one, one weapon to another. I don't know. That's why this case is, case is so intriguing because it could, be, it's really, yeah, it could be. It could be one person. It could be multiple. It could yeah. be multiple people working together. Yeah. It's really confusing. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. But something to do with servant girls. Sure. Like it's clearly servants they're going after. So that actually reminds me of Jack the Ripper. Yeah. Where he just attacked prostitutes. Sure. Nobody's going to miss these victims. Was it someone, was it either the same person who as Jack the Ripper did the servant girl murders and thought, well, they're servants and they don't matter. I'm sure there were prostitutes in Austin. Maybe he thought servants was an easy, you know, an easy target um, because they often sleep in detached houses or whatever, you know, or was it the same manner of thinking like that these victims don't matter. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So it was obviously the most violent attack to date, but this time the killer seemed to have finally made a mistake. There were two clues left behind. Okay. The first was a saddled horse that did not belong to the major or any of his neighbors. Poor horse. Yeah. But like, holy shit, you're going to leave your horse. First of all, expensive. Yeah. Second of all, like that's, your mode of transportation. Like you right. left like a, like talk about a huge right. clue. Um, the second was a silver watch that was found in Gracie's hand. So oh. good on Gracie. Right. She put up a fight. Right. And she grabbed that watch. The chain was wrapped around her wrist as if she'd ripped it off her attacker. And he either didn't notice or he didn't retrieve it before he made his escape. Marshall Lee felt as if he had finally caught a break. So the horse and the watch could be traced back to the rifle owners. Uh, if he could do that, he might actually end up with a suspect that he could hang a conviction on. Absolutely. So his hopes were quickly dashed. Yeah, it's not like a horse has a VIN number or, yeah. you know, so like registration. Well, but I mean, they did find out who it belonged to. Did they? Yeah. Uh, a man named Beverly Overton. Okay. But he'd already reported it stolen. Okay. That was stolen. Yeah. The watch was also stolen property. Shoot. Uh, it belonged to a Swedish girl, not the not Swedish, Swedish servant girl, but, uh, <clears throat> and it was another dead end. So Shoot. it seemed possible that the watch and the horse had been intentionally left behind to send the police off in the wrong direction. Interesting. Yeah. Or to implicate Mr. Overton. Yeah. 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 So the three survivors were taken to the hospital. Orange Washington died before the sun came up. Lucinda and Patsy, however, recovered. And luckily, even though Lucinda didn't get a clear look at the man who killed, who nearly killed her, she heard his voice and, and had recognized it. What? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, she told police that the man who attacked her was Gracie Vance's former boyfriend, Doc Woods. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. D-O-C-K. Doc like Woods. sitting on the, sitting Doc on the dock of the bird. It's like, do they, maybe they, they come up with their own names. I don't know. You know? Maybe it's a nickname. Yeah. Doc Woods. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, the police tracked Woods down easily enough, and though he insisted on his innocence, he did so while wearing a shirt that was stained with blood. That'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that'll that, do. That, 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 that's that's a little questionable. I mean, it's 50-50, but <laughs> I think you don't kill somebody. <laughs> yeah. 
He was immediately arrested along with his brother, Doug. Doug was released almost immediately after, but Doc and another guy named Oliver Townsend were held as likely suspects. Both men maintained their innocence under questioning. And uh, due to Lucinda's head injury, her identification of Woods' voice wasn't given much credibility. Lee was unable to get his confessions and his superiors finally felt like they had no choice but to intervene. So uh, the mayor of Austin put in a call to Houston's Noble Detective Agency. Okay. Shout out to the nobles. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and sent two men to help Marshall Lee solve these crimes. So these two dudes show up and they turn their attention to uh, a man named Alec Mack because he'd been an acquaintance of Rebecca Ramey and was known to spend a lot of his time in the darker corners of Austin's kind of shady neighborhoods. Was it Alec Mack? Uh, yeah, Alec Mack. Do you remember the secret? Was it like the secret world of Alex Mack? Do you remember that show on Nickelodeon? No. I didn't have TV great. growing up. She turned into like silly putty. Or she looked like Capri Sun. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> what? Secret Life of Alex Mack. It was like the show about a girl who there was some sort of like like chemical disaster next to her house. And she got this superpower where she could like turn into a liquid. Oh, she turned into a Capri Sun. You know, like the Capri Sun commercials? Yeah. That's what it looked like. Oh. So anyway, that was Alex Mack. No. Not Alec Mack. We had Fraggle Rock, Care Bears, and My Little Pony. So. You missed out on Alex Mack. All animals. Fraggle Rock, though. I don't know what those were. What is that? Do you, okay. Oh, it's Jim Henson. Yeah. So it was like Muppets. The Muppets. Yeah. Similar to the Muppets. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they focused on Alec Mack and they soon, you know, ruled him out. I mean, they beat him up within an inch of his life. I know. Why can't you just confess false? I know. I know. Like everyone else does. Seriously. Yeah. And keep in mind back then they, they, there were no like rules against, there were no Miranda rights. Like they just like beat the shit out of him in an alley somewhere. And we're like, Oh, he didn't confess. I guess it's not him. Yeah. So basically out of sheer desperation, the, the marshal turned to the only possible suspect he had left or Walter Spencer, Molly Smith's common law husband, just like before. So we're going right back to that again. So wait, we're going back to Molly Smith's common law husband. Yeah. Walter Spencer. We're going back like five murders. Yeah. Almost a full year since Molly's murder. To Walter Spencer, who was almost killed. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Like he didn't beat himself to the point where like with an ax. Right. Where and a rod and a rod and but that's what they did and they put him on trial. They put him on trial for yeah. this murder. Yeah, because Lee was all buddy buddy with the mayor's brother, who was the district attorney. This poor man. Yeah. So poor Walter Spencer. What, what didn't was he tried for for Molly's murder? Yes. Too? Jesus. Jesus. Okay. Yeah. So Spencer was acquitted after two days. Okay. Which is good. But as a response, Marshall Lee was relieved of his duties as town marshal and replaced with former Texas Ranger. So they corrected that part. But how many lives, how many dudes did they destroy in the process? They're just like grasping at straws. And I think that, I mean... I'm sympathetic to the Marshall to a point where like I have a little sliver of sympathy for him where like, he's like, God, like I need to find something. And he probably had a shit ton of pressure. Right. But still you can't just go around grabbing dudes off the street that yeah. look at you funny. So, so by Christmas Eve of 1885, this is a year later since the first murder. Okay. It had been three months since the attack that claimed the lives of Orange Washington and Gracie Vance. Okay. The people crowded elbow to elbow in church pews that night. Many of them were praying for the exact same thing and that that the murders of Austin's servant girls had finally come to an end. And in a sick way, their prayers were answered. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so sometime around 11 o'clock that night, and, the, and this was Christmas Eve. Oh no. After the sermons had concluded, 50-year-old... Moses Hancock woke up to the sound of groans. He was alone in his bed, but that was not unusual, at least not lately. He and his wife, Susan, they were kind of having some marital issues and had taken to sleeping in in separate rooms. So he got up and went through the door to the adjoining room where Susan slept and saw that the bed was empty and the sheets were drenched in blood. Oh my God. 
His wife's skirts, also bloodstained, were carelessly discarded on a chair in the corner of the room, and a trail of blood led out the door and into the hallway. Moses grabs a kerosene lamp and f- follows the trail outside and around the back of the house. There he found Susan. Oh, no. So Susan Hancock was still alive, but barely. She had been struck twice in the head by an axe. This is really graphic. One blow had taken off her ear and crushed her cheekbone. The other split her skull between her ear and eye. Just like Eliza Shelley and Mary Ramey, some sort of metal rod had been inserted into her brain. What the fuck? This dude is fucked up. Yeah, I'm telling you. Do they have any, I mean, maybe we get into this a little bit, but like any idea what this metal rod could be? Was it an ice pick? Was it, it just seems so weird that this is a weapon that is consistently used. I don't know. I don't know if it was. Like what else is like a metal rod? Like I think of like metal rods and like the stuff that you. I like think of rebar. Yeah, rebar. That's what I'm thinking That's of. what I think of when I think of metal rods. But was that a thing back then? No. I don't know. No. So like I what would metal so. rods be Railroad. Sure. I mean, or like pokers maybe? Pokers. Like, uh, something that you could find in the stables. I, yeah, I, don't, I don't know. know. Farm equipment. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. My God. Susan Hancock though. She was white. Oh. Yeah. So all of the other servant girls. Except for the two Swedish girls. Except for the two Swedish girls had been black. Yes. And this is a white woman. Yeah. And is it a servant? No. Ha. So the citizens were angry and horrified during the servant girl murders, but the white population had felt mostly safe. Unaffected. Yeah. But the murder of Susan Hancock proved that no one was safe. Right. Yeah. I bet that was a huge shock to them. Yeah. I mean, because you know, like that way of thinking. Yeah. I mean, I could never be a victim because I'm, I mean, when I was going to college, Robert Yates was active. Yeah. And he had just gotten arrested my freshman year. And, and I remember dad saying like, oh, I heard there's a serial killer in Spokane, like be really careful. And, and I remember saying to him like in a joking way, which, you know, I regret saying this now, but dad there he's only killing prostitutes. So I mean, I'm fine. Right. But the truth is no one is fine. No No one is fine. And it was the only reason they go after that population is because they think no one will miss them. Yeah. No one got that feeling from you for whatever reason. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just, yeah, exactly. Uh. Exactly. So, so less than an hour after Susan Hancock's body was found, there was another murder in Austin. Okay. So he's escalated quite a bit. Absolutely. Um, two in one night. Eula Phillips, uh, she was referred to as Lily. Evidently, she was just gorgeous. And uh, one of her grandfathers had been a member of Stephen F. Austin's original colony. So it made her as close to royalty as you can get wow, in Texas. Okay. But Eula had not lived a life free of hardship. Her mother died while she and her sister Alma were very little. Mm. And the girl's father didn't have any idea how to bring up two young daughters on sure. his own. So uh, they turned out to be raised by an aunt. Okay. Uh, in December of 1885, Eula was only 17, but she was already a wife and a mother. She was married to Jimmy Phillips, a young, handsome musician, and the couple lived with Jimmy's parents in one of the wealthiest neighborhoods in Austin. So that's another thing that made it odd. Just before the clock struck midnight, ringing in Christmas Day, Jimmy's mother woke up to the sound of a baby crying. So she got out of bed and went across the hall to the room where her son and his family slept. When she opened the door, she was subjected to a terrible sight. Her 18-month-old grandson was standing up in the bed screaming and crying his nightclothes were soaked through with blood and he was clutching an apple in his hands that is heartbreaking like almost like you wonder if whoever did this gave Gave him an apple to soothe him you have to believe i mean that is fucked up yeah i mean how many parents are like here have an apple like when they're going to bed like that yeah no mrs phillips was so shocked that she fainted Um, When she recovered moments later, she found herself staring at a bloody axe that had been discarded in the middle of the bedroom floor. So she got to her feet right away, scooped the child up in her arms, who he was unhurt, thankfully. Yeah. The blood was not his. At least some of it, however, belonged to her son, Jimmy. Jimmy was in the bed, barely conscious. He had a horrible bloody gash on the back of his head and neck. And Eula was nowhere to be found. But her pillow had even more blood on it than the one under Jimmy's head. So once again, a trail of blood 
led out to the porch where a bloody footprint was also found. A bare bloody footprint. Then continued through the backyard to a narrow alley where it came to an end. Eula Phillips had been dead for roughly an hour. Her forehead caved in by a terrible blow. So, yeah, get this part. Laid out completely naked, spread eagle, heavy pieces of lumber placed over her wrists as if to keep them in place. Oh my God. The killer basically had put her on display. Like a pin through a bug. Like it was just, oh, so twisted. But again, it was an axe. It was an axe to to the head. So the usual Christmas Day festivities were canceled and a curfew was put into effect and it was ordered that saloons and brothels would have to cease their all night operations and close their doors at midnight. Also, there there would be a zero tolerance policy towards strangers in town. Great. Which it's Christmas time. <laughs> yeah, like, I wonder how they enforce that. I know. Like, they they're like, like chill. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, all, leave. all the dude would have to like, all he'd have to do, a stranger, was just dress like Santa, like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which is honestly a nightmare. Yeah, oh my God, yeah, Santa with an ass. <laughs> There's probably some B-rated movie oh, out there. There, a hundred percent is. Yeah, I'm <laughs> oh sure. God. Is. Yeah. So. Susan and Eula were all killed. The sheriff and his deputies were instructed by the Texas Ranger, so the, the guy they made, the marshal, sure. to question each and every man they didn't personally know. Wow. Also, a, the wealthiest businessman in town put up a $3,000 reward. Wow. Yeah, it was getting, it was all getting intense. By the end of Christmas Day, there had been multiple arrests, including six black men, one mentally ill uh, Mexican-American, and two white brothers who were found with blood on their clothes, one town north. What's up with all these people with blood on their clothes? I don't know. Like, I, are you butchers? I, or are you hunting? I, or are you just killers? When I watch crime shows or like movies and stuff, like I see a dude with blood on his shirt and it bugs me so much yeah. if he has that shirt on still at the end of the yeah, show. Like, and I'm like, why, why, like, why? Yeah. Like, quit like, gross. go to a gig. Quit being gross. Yeah. Yeah, you murdered someone, but you know what? That doesn't mean that's like what what do they say? Hygiene is important. (laughs) So just clean your fucking shirt. Just clean your fucking shirt. I know you killed someone, that's bad enough, but to walk around in a bloody shirt like a fucking maniac. (laughs) Over the next few weeks, Austin practically became a police state. You can imagine the sale of guns increased. And those that could afford it purchased uh, security devices known as electric burglar alarms. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder what those were. Oh, was it like a trip wire across yeah. your door or something? So the DA was desperate to nail someone for these crimes, specifically for the women that were not servants, sure. AKA white women. Yep. And he came to the conclusion that the murders had been staged to look like they were part of the spree, but they were killed for different reasons altogether. So in January of 1886, Jimmy Phillips, Eula's husband and Moses Hancock, Susan's husband were arrested for the murders of their wives. What? Yeah. Even though Jimmy had, a, on had the back, an axe wound yeah, on the back of his, how do you hit yourself in the back of the head with an axe? Yeah. So much better than Marshall Lee. Yeah. No, no, honestly, God. it's not. So there was no solid physical evidence that was ever introduced to implicate either one of them. Moses was not as wealthy as Jimmy Phillips, but his lawyer represented him pro bono. So the most significant piece of evidence the prosecution had against Moses Hancock was a letter that had been found under some fake flowers in a trunk in his wife Susan's room. The letter uh, she had written stated that although she loved him, she couldn't live with his drinking anymore and was going to leave him. The DA suggested that Moses had read the letter, gotten drunk, and murdered Susan in a rage. So, I mean, it's plausible. Sure. But, like, why? It seemed odd that the two men would decide on the same night to kill their wives and blame their deaths on the murder, uh, the murderer of the servant girls, but that was what the DA asked the jury to believe. However, the pros- the prosecution's case fell apart when Hancock's teenage daughter testified that her mother had never shown her father lo- the letter she had written. So he had no clue that it even existed. Sure. I, like, I understand that, you know, it's oftentimes nine times out of 10, it's the person closest to you or whatever that's guilty of the crime. But 
it just sucks, right? Yeah. Like it sucks. You just lost this person. You found their body. Right. They're murdered in a horrific, murdered and posed in yeah. Susan Hancock's case in a horrific way. And you're being dragged. And now you're being for... put on trial. Yeah. So, and in some cases, convicted. Yeah, absolutely. Eventually, both men, and who can blame them here, both men left Austin and never came back. Yeah. I mean, that's that's good choice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, you don't want your 18 month old son to remember. No. Oh God, what happened? But so that's where the murders ended. The strongest suspect linking the Jack the Ripper murders, which happened, remember, four years after these started. So in 1888. And the servant girl annihilator is a Malaysian cook known as Maurice, who was in Austin in 1885 working at a small hotel called the Pearl House, only a blocks from where the mur- murders of Susan Hancock Mary Ramey and Eliza Shelley were committed. Okay. Maurice left Austin in January of 1886 when the murders stopped. Interesting. Shortly after the deaths of Susan Hancock and Eula Phillips and was reported to be in London at the same time of the what as the Whitechapel murders. Interesting. So <laughs> maybe Maurice began to kill the poor servant girls of Austin because like we discussed, they were such easy targets. Yep. Um, and also maybe he knew he'd be leaving town. And if he shifted his rage towards white women who weren't serving girls, he was just going to leave town. And so, yeah, it was a risk he was willing to take right? because he was like, whatever. Or he was getting braver and realized he crossed a line, like realized, okay, these are people that are going to be missed and have families. And, but other than the timing, nothing else connects this guy to it. And once again, he's Malaysian. Yeah. Is that the reason that they said he did it? Yeah. Who knows? I I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe there's no other information in here. Is it just the fact that he was just the fact A and place B like that's not. Well, and he's a cook. So yeah, yeah, like the knife connection, but like, honestly, according to my research, that is literally the only connection is the Mm -hmm. timing. So no one knows for sure who committed the eight murders in Austin between New Year's Eve of 1884 and Christmas Eve of 1885. Yeah. That is crazy. So they just stopped. They They just just stopped. stopped literally a year later, almost Mm. to the day. Yeah. It's what other sort of like, what did the, did Skip give any other ideas on like who, like any other suspects or any other clues on. Yeah. I mean, there was this guy named Nathan Elgin and he was a local violent drunk, but being a violent drunk isn't. And also I don't think you could be drunk and do this a hundred percent because he got away Uh every single time. And, and also I'm going, I mean, going back to like Lucinda, Patsy, Gracie, orange, there's four of them in a small cabin together That makes me think there could have been two people. And if you think about it, two people operating at the same time and and knowing each other or being associates of some kind, like I I envision they're traveling guys. They don't really have jobs. They have no money. They hop on a train and they meet each other and decide that they have a common interest. Which like, how? Tell me what conversation takes place (laughs) where you find somebody has a common interest and that common interest is murder. You brag I, about it. I need to know. You brag about it. Like, really? you hear about that all the time. Well, yeah, but, like, how do these freaks find each other? I, like, uh, what, do, are, do they use code words? Is it, like, known things that they talk about that it's, like... I imagine that's how it happens. Ugh. Like, you have, that's how you have the conversation. It starts with, like, oh, I I like to hunt. And then it goes from hunting to have you ever thought about hunting people? And then it goes for, you know, just, just like, or like, I just thought about this. I know. Thought, like how, what takes place? How does it evolve? No, but in all the books I've read and, and documentaries and stuff, like I've noticed, it's just like, that's, you'd be so surprised that that is how, like, I guess these, like, honestly, it's like how any other conversation happens. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a sick conversation, but like, how do you make friends with a new person? You start talking about random crap that. Well, like our neighbor yeah. <laughs> busted out with like anyone at, like just out of nowhere when no one had said anything in yeah. a bonfire. Anyone ever gotten a DUI? And you're like, oh, and I'm like, uh, no, I actually haven't. Uh, but like, 
but what if someone else had? And yeah. they were like, I did. And they were like, what's the worst thing you've ever done? And then, and then you know, like, oh. I... And then we're like backing away slowly. <laughs> okay. Bye. You, we totally wouldn't. We'd be house. like. Yeah, we'd be like, and then what? <laughs> we totally would. Yeah. And then we would go. More. Yeah. You can trust me. <laughs> We've got the MPD on our phone. <laughs> Put it on speaker. <laughs> <laughs> You know who's on the other end of this? 911 dispatcher. Oh my God. Yeah. So I don't know. It does make sense if it were two people. But I do think the axe ones are all related. Yeah, right. And the axe and the rod. Pretty And the thing is, I know this creeps you out so much. If that's the case and the axe and the rod are all the same dude, he's walking out there. He's creeping out there with his bare white feet. Like with a rod and an axe, like a (laughs) fucking hobbit. He is. Oh, he's an axe hybrid, but giant bare feet. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that is the, that is the servant girl annihilator. Wow. Of Austin, Texas. So we got Texas marked off our, our beautiful map that our beautiful map. This thing is totally hodgepodge together. Put it off 16 sheets of paper. We should take a picture of this and put it on Instagram. (laughs) Katie's got like, I don't know. Listen, the lines did not line up. (laughs) Exactly as I should have. I just feel bad for Wisconsin. I know. Because (laughs) I think half the UP is gone and it goes straight into Canada. (laughs) (laughs) And also Florida. Yeah, I know. We're missing like part of of Mississippi. Oh, Mississippi. Yeah, Yeah. Mississippi's entire bottom coast there in Alabama. Yeah. We'll get Oh yeah, the Orange Orange Beach is totally gone. It's gone. Pensacola is I don't know. Yeah, yeah. is missing. Yeah, we're missing some stuff. It's not a great map, guys, but it's I got not. it for free and printed it off and spent about 20 minutes taping it together like I was a child. So, so it works for now. Well, what's your hour like your hourly billable rate? Because <laughs> I feel like for that, for 20 minutes, you could have bought one at a gas station that may not have been this bad. Yeah. It's beautiful, Kate. It's beautiful. You're just jealous of you to do it anyway. Uh, we're gonna um so we've got we've got Texas marked off. We're gonna figure out um maybe some sticker situation i think we should do stickers yeah we're not gonna i was thinking of putting like the victims on there but then we were like i i just really don't want to invite that bad juju into yeah my, yeah into that's that's kind of that's disturbing yeah so we'll do stickers or color because i would be because my back would be to that map yeah. while we're doing the podcast and <laughs> i'd be, be like staring at I you i feel like i'm being yeah. watched <laughs> like, by a million yeah, murder exactly. victims so, yeah. well, thank you guys for listening. Um, as always, please make sure to like, subscribe, follow us on Instagram at Premeditated Podcast. Shoot us an email. Did we get any emails? We got we got an email from my lovely friend Helen, just telling us how excited she was for another two part. Oh, so that was fun. But yeah, send us an email at thepremeditatedpodcast at gmail.com. Tell all your friends. Tell uh, all your friends. Make sure everybody knows how awesome we are. Because we are, I mean, we are Josh Makowitz awesome. We aspire to be Skip Hollinsworth awesome. (laughs) Well, thank you guys for listening. And until next time, tell tell your your folks we says hi.